0: Hi there, welcome to another edition of Making Money. I'm Gord Whitehead, retired broadcaster. Joining me is longtime portfolio manager, Ron Hebert. We call him the financial coach because he managed people's money for a career. And Ron, you've you've been retired for a few years, but we took on this project of the podcast of making money to try to spread a little bit of financial literacy. You know, you were telling me prior to us going on the air today, you still teach financial classes. There are some people that just, well, they just don't know enough and they want to invest, but they want to go about it the right way. So what we try to do here is give you some direction. Is that a nutshell what we're all about?
1: That is in a nutshell what we're about. And we try to have a kaleidoscope of different things we talk about from investment planning, retirement, estate planning, Tax issues. Yeah, Yeah, tax issues. We talk about uh, different ways to play the markets. We talk about private equity. We've talked about different sectors in the market. We talk about fixed income, ETFs, mutual funds. We have shows on real estate. We have shows on precious metals. We have shows on virtually everything. So if you want to have a balanced, uh, sort of complete education on how to invest, tune in every week because you're just not going to find a show like this with the breadth of topics that we cover. So you can, you know, if you listen once a week for about 15 minutes over a year or two, you're pretty much going to get a very complete education. On most of the basics of how to do this,
0: and right off the top here, we're not selling anything. Like we're uh, we're just trying to give you some direction. So let's talk this time around about investment baskets. So you're uh, you're sitting back and you're an investor and you're thinking, man, this uh, this precious metal sector is going to take off like crazy. I'm talking hypothetically here, friends, but this is the what we, and so you can bet the wrong horse when you do that, can't you?
1: Yeah, and it's. Uh... A problem for many people is because they really don't understand the inner mechanics of of an industry or a company in the sector. You know, they see all the promising things and they feel that that the sector as a whole is going to go up. But if you pick the wrong horse, you pick a company that's got bad management, too much debt, Uh, you know, if they make a hole in the ground and there's nothing there or the costs are too high, you're going to lose a lot of money Is, is that stock bleeds financially, and you do too. So there's a solution to this, and it's uh, buy a number of securities and not just one in a sector to spread the risk. This is especially advisable in areas that have explosive growth because the gains of a couple of winners in the group could uh, more than make up for the losers. So that's why you spread your, your risk around and you buy a number of securities in an area, and that's what we call basket investing. It's a risk reduction strategy.
0: Okay, so let's take a look at, uh, at some of the sectors that might be attractive. And, and the one I referred to, mining, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, junior mines are, are, are fraught with risk. But, you know, I mean, there are sectors that seem to be coming back. Like there's a lot of, of interest now in, in uranium. So which uranium mine do you buy? Well, you're probably better off buying a basket of them you know, or, or, and we'll talk about ways to do that in a, in a, in a second. Biotechnology is another area. You know, if there's green slime at the bottom of the test tube, do you really know whether that is, uh, is going to cure a major disease? Most of us don't have a skill set to be able to do that, but you know, over time that enough of these biotechnology companies come out with incredible, uh, technologies or cures or drugs. And, uh, over time, the winners certainly uh crush the losers so but you just don't know which one to pick emerging markets well do you know if there's going to be a coup in a country tomorrow but emerging markets there's times in a cycle where frankly they shoot the lights out technology here again uh do you know whether a software program is going to take off i don't uh pharmaceuticals well here again that's uh, a roll of the dice the right? yeah yeah it's a roll of the dice so you want to buy more than one to take advantage of what the sector's doing and and reduce what could happen with any individual stock
0: so then there has to be a way to to put this basket together what what are the best ways to purchase like this
1: well there's there's essentially three ways to do it you can buy a mutual fund that's sector specific in other words you can buy a fund that specializes in junior goals. Uh, You can do the same with an exchange traded fund. So you buy a fund that's focused on the sector you want, nuclear power, Uh, if you think that's going to do well, biotechnology, you know, some of the the things that we mentioned previously, if you you think that, that something's gonna do really well but you're not sure how to play it, buy a mutual fund or an ETF that specializes in the sector. And if you have a little bit more expertise, uh, do some research and take a look at a number of the stocks in the sector. Maybe take three to five of the most promising stocks in the sector and, and own them as a basket. And you'll generally find if you own five, you've probably got one or two that do well, maybe one that does nothing, and uh, the others go to zero. So it's but spreading again, the risk. That yeah, you're spreading the risk. So if, once again, this is a risk reduction strategy, and generally... Your long-term success in the market is not going to be determined how much you make. It's going to be determined how much you don't lose. So if you get wiped out and you lose your capital, uh, you can't play another day. So if you're looking at something risky, consider buying a basket instead of an individual security. Uh, You can still make great returns doing that, but you reduce your risk dramatically. Okay, so that's, a, that's
0: short and sweet right there about baskets, but we have something that's tied to this, this topic, and it was a question that came from a listener, and I think a lot of people might be asking this question, especially those who have been around for a day or two that are maybe a little bit longer in the tooth and have watched gold over the years and the decades, and, and the question is, why isn't gold
1: going anywhere right now? Well, you'd think it should, because uh, it's supposed to be the ultimate protection against political instability, inflation, currency debasement. And uh, we're getting all three of those uh, factors in spades right now, and gold doesn't seem to have much of a pulse. It's really had a sideways pattern over the last 12 months, even when all the factors uh, that we see are currently in place and would normally uh, provide the catalyst to push um, gold price is a lot higher. And, uh, you know, you, you have to understand that the primary driver to gold price gourd is the strength of the U S dollar. And if the U S dollar is strong, then gold typically doesn't, uh, doesn't move And the U S dollar, because of all the problems globally has attracted a lot of money Uh, And so people look at the wrong drivers of gold. So if you want to invest in gold, you've got to look at the strength of the U.S. dollar. When the U.S. greenback is uh, at its strongest, uh, that's typically when gold is either going down or gold is not doing anything. So you might not like the U.S. dollar, but as we've said previously, it looks like the cleanest dirty shirt in the laundry. And so you have to understand that the relationship between the u.s dollar and gold is the primary thing that you've got to look at i mean you look at the other things too certainly but if you're not paying attention to the u.s dollar's strength against other currencies uh it's going to take away some of the opportunity you have of knowing when to get into gold and the the best times to buy
0: all right so gold uh well it's it's one that you know. I think everybody has a well, not everybody, but I think you should have a little bit of it around just in case, shouldn't you?
1: Yeah, I have uh, I have gold and I have coins. So you know, my my strategy has been very simple. Actually, is I just buy a uh, coin from the Canadian Mint, and I've got them in a safety deposit box. And I've tried to buy the ones like uh, the, that are You know, they had a a number of series. For example, they had uh, big Canadian uh, uh, wildlife. So they had things like bears and polar bears and wolves (laughs) and elk and moose and all this stuff. And they've turned into collector's uh, coins. So uh, the demand for those has pushed the coin up above the the one ounce value of the gold so uh you know just buy a canadian coin and you you don't have to buy them in one ounce you can buy them in half ounce they have tenth ounce coins you can buy them in smaller denominations so that's uh that's a good way to go so just briefly uh looking backward people have flocked to the u.s greenback instead of gold because that's the obvious question if why is gold up Why is the greenback up so high? And the first is that it's easier and less expensive uh, to buy a uh, U.S. currency than it is to buy gold. Gold is actually fairly expensive to buy. The second is that the interest rates have gone up and investors can get a decent return by owning dollars. I mean, you can get 5% all day long in fixed income securities, whereas gold pays no interest. And it has storage fees, so there's a big cost. The third is that the U.S. is still the world's strongest military, which uh, can protect their economic interests. And so as long as as these three components are in place, it's harder for gold price to go up. So remember that gold moves inversely in relation to the U.S. dollar, and uh, gold's turn for a big move will come, but it'll have to wait until the U.S. dollar starts to lose some of its strength.
0: All right, there you go. So a couple of things that we covered off this week on Making Money. Again, if you have a question or a show suggestion, we're open to it. Send us a note, letsmakemoney.ca, or through our friends at cfcw.com. We do a show every year, Ron, and that's where we we get to next week as we're fast approaching the festive season. You, uh, even though you're retired, you still like to read about what's going on in investing. So we do the financial stocking stuffers list next week, don't we?
1: Yeah, it's, it's a relatively short show, Gord, but uh, typically at this time of year, if uh, you've got a financial junkie in your house and you're trying to figure out what to buy them, because I don't know about you, but as you get older and older, uh, the list of things I actually want pretty short, <laughs> uh, it, it tends to get really, really short. I mean, I had a birthday here about three weeks ago. And my kids are asking, well, dad, what do you want? And I'm. I said, well, let me think about that for a few days, because virtually everything I want, I already have. Yeah. <laughs> but I love to read, and a lot of people do love to read. And so if you find a book that twigs their interest, and they're interested in it, uh, it usually makes a great stocking stuffer. So that's what we're going to cover. I'm a voracious reader, just like Gord is. And uh, I take the best books that I found in the previous 12 months, and I try to highlight the best ones that would be great stocking stuffers. So I give you a wide variety of choices. So if you're more of an academic, there's stuff on this list. If you like to read things that are factual but read like a novel, uh, we've got that on the list. If you are want something that has some political overtones to it but a huge uh, financial backdrop, we have that on the list. We have how to buy things and how to sell them. Strategy on the list. So we've got lots of things for you to choose from.
0: You know, Ron, when I was still working, one of my uh, things I look forward to every year, they have read in weeks in the schools. And you probably did that too. I don't know. But I used to get invited into schools to read to kids. And I, I read to kids anywhere from probably grade three up to grade seven or eight. And, you know, I always referred to that line from Project Literacy down in the States years ago. And it's such a great slogan the more you read, the more you know. The more you know, the further you go. So reading is is critical. Everybody should do it. And not enough people do these days. They're too busy reading their phones. But uh, I digress. Back next week with the financial stocking stuffers. On behalf of the financial coach, Ron Hebert, I'm Gord Whitehead. We'll join you next week. The information presented is derived from sources believed to be reliable. This material is presented for information purposes only and does not constitute investment advice. Before acting on any investment information, a person should seek advice from an investment professional. The presenters may or may not hold positions in the securities discussed on this show and will not be responsible for any losses sustained from acting on this information.